Hello and welcome to your Over the Farmgate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian. I'm your host for this week, Farmers Guardian editor, Ben Briggs. Don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Oxfordshire Shearer Stuart Connor recently set a new world record, shearing 872 lambs, five more than the previous record set by Irish Shearer Ivan Scott in 2016. And he did it all in the memory of his daughter Grace, who died of mitochondrial disease in 2018, aged just three years old. This week, our features editor Emily Astra speaks to Stuart about his amazing feat and why this new world record is the perfect way to honour his little girl. Uh, tell us about your farming background and how you got into shearing. Are you from a farming family yourself? Granddad used to farm, but we came out of a small tenancy when I was about two. Yeah. And then I started helping out on a local farm when I was about 11. Yeah. And that carried on until, but basically, I, you know, I was then on agriculture, basically. And then um, and I went, went to more, more agricultural college when I was 17. Okay. As soon as I left school. And what did you study there? Uh, National Diploma in a HNC. Okay. And that was where I first sort of saw, you know, because it was part of the course, we had to do it because yeah. I chose livestock. So we, you know, we had to have at least have, have a go. You know. And then after that, did you, have you worked on farms since then or do you guys have your own? Yeah, so I went, so... Um, I, I did like a college placement and did two seasons harvest there yeah. um, between college and stuff and then I went self-employed from there onwards and carried on with farm work basically in the summer and that sort of thing but then I started going to New Zealand shearing in 2003 yeah so and then I'd spend New Zealand shearing and then I'd come back to the UK shear over here and then drive tractors in the summer okay and then go back to New Zealand every autumn, basically. So I did seven years like, like, like that. Yeah. Then I did actually take on, when I stopped going to New Zealand in yeah. 2010, I think it was 2011, I then took, you know, bought some sheep and sort of went into a little farm, um, share farming agreement. And that's what I'm still doing today, basically, when I'm not shearing. Okay. I'm doing less tractor driving and more share farming. We, we we lambed four fifty and then we had nearly six hundred altogether with with the hoggett replacement. It's all rented and it's all HLS stewardship. It's about three hundred acres. Okay. But it's all yeah, it's all parkland and yeah, it's very unproductive ground and they're all New Zealand romneys. We lamb everything outside. You know, keep we, I don't buy anything in unless I can really help it. Yeah. Just yeah. To, just rams keep on replacements and that type of system yeah okay so let's now talk about your daughter grace who sadly passed away when she was just three years old can you tell me a little bit about her and your journey as a family grace was born on valentine's day in 2015 yeah um and to be fair we didn't know she was just a not, not normal child. We didn't know anything was wrong at all. Um, yeah. Or what, 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 you know, that she had this and that Kira and I carried it. So okay. then um, basically she had a, a small seizure and that turned out to be a stroke. Um, I think that was on the 25th. I'm sure it was on the 25th of um, March. 
Okay. It was almost exactly a month until she passed away. So, um, and then, yeah, so then she ended up in hospital, then had another stroke and um, seizure that put her in intensive care. And then we did get confirmed at that point. They were always trying to confirm it, but then we got eventually got the blood test back to say she had got two types of mitochondrial disease. Okay. And that that transpired that Kira and I both carried one of each of the type. I had one type, Kira had the other, but we were only carriers. Okay. So it was always a one in four chance of any children we had having the disease. Right, okay. So, and then luckily, Elliot, who was, um, what was he, four months old when Grace passed away, he was born on 18th of December. Um, luckily, he he's not even a carrier. Right. So okay. he was the yeah. he was the one in four the opposite way around. If you see what I mean. Yes. Yeah. It's rare because yeah. it's unknown. Right. So okay. So there's a lot of child deaths, cop deaths, young toddler deaths that never actually get tested, and they're they're, they're pretty. You know, as as fundraising goes forward, there'll mm. be more testing into this. It doesn't affect just toddlers. Yeah. It can affect. There was actually a lady messaged me the other day saying congratulations on the record. She'd read all the stories and about yeah. Grace and stuff, and she had just lost her 24-year-old daughter to mitochondrial disease. But we basically, from what Grace had, we were very lucky to have three years with her. Most people get six months. Wow, okay. And and then it's usually six months of seizures, you know, and that sort of ongoing, you know, we, we, we did count up, you know, having spoken more parents that have, children that have had it and mm. stories and stuff of them. We were... Grace was very lucky to have led a very normal. The only sign she probably showed was she was slow to walk and her balance was not great at times, whether they were many seizures or anything like that, we, we don't yeah. know, but yeah. it never seemed to affect her that much. Um, so we were very lucky, but there is, I think I'm not wrong in saying there is hundreds of different types. That's why it takes so long to do the blood wow. test. So if you if you find out that, you're, that you or your child, for example, have, have this disease is is there a treatment to that you no. can have or that that's just there's there's nothing available no wow no, okay there's, there's a few recommendations if say elliot did have it they were talking through just in case he did the, the there is a series of minerals and they also could give anti-seizure medicine at a very young age to really suppress any small seizures like grace possibly would have done yeah. for as long as possible but it, it's more of a making life more comfortable until something really bad happens. Yeah. Okay, okay. As far as I'm aware, I don't think... America did... Can you remember the Charlie Gard story? Or one of, There was two or three over a period, and one of them was the same sort of time as Grace was in in hospital, and they were suing doctors and taking him to America, weren't they? The more they can learn... Basically, the more they can learn about it, the closer they will come to it. So the more funding they have to test people, young adults, children that have died that they can't find circumstances for. Mm. You then began to fundraise in memory of Grace for the Lilly Foundation, which funds research into mitochondrial disease and helps to support families. How did that come about? No, so we, we started almost straight away with the, yeah. with the Lilly Foundation, more by more by coincidence than anything else, because I, I was, at the time... So the record, hearing the record all came about because I'd watched Matt Smith and Ivan Scott do his record, which I now hold, and Gareth Daniels do theirs, and that 
And I watched that and thought, God, I, I want to do that because I knew I was good enough to do it, but, but I'd just not been shearing many sheep and it was all because I wanted to make Grace proud. I wanted to have her to go and say what I'd done sort of thing. You know, you have these yeah. drives and so that's how it how it all sort of started. And then I started doing the um, doing the show circuit to try to improve my shearing and do more shearing competitions, which is obviously different to the records. And then I was also they got caught up in that at the same time so then yeah. I was trying to make the England, England team for the world champ so I was trying to qualify for the England team in 2018 for the world champs in 2019 yeah um and then we ended up losing Grace obviously end of April um so the charity stuff sort of came about when I started I carried on doing the shows because Kira didn't want me to stop and it was what you know why we were doing what we were doing we, we met because of shearing so yeah and then people started donating and giving us money for the charity and asking what charity was it for and it just came about from there and it just sort of grew and grew yeah yeah um so it's all for the lily foundation but under team grace's name so it all goes into one big pot eventually but the money that is raised for team grace goes under her her name individually, if you like. As well, I went for the British nine-hour lamb record in 2019, which we also use as a fundraiser as well. And I didn't... I went for the world one then, but I was nowhere near that. I saw 785 for the British one in 2019. And then I decided to carry on and try to have another go at the world one, making some improvements. So then I went for the world... Sorry, it's the world nine-hour lamb record... Yeah, and I and I saw eight hundred and seventy-two in nine hours, beating the old record by five. Okay, yeah, and subsequently raising money for the Lily Foundation, and do a raffle and an auction of of just various agricultural products, and I actually donated two older shearing hand pieces and some cutters which actually sold for £1,700, which is all going towards the Lily Foundation. So Matt and Pip, because I did the record at Trafank Farm, Matt Smith and Pip Smith's farm, and yeah. they also had an open day next day, which some of that was also going towards the Lily Foundation as well. Yeah. So yeah. it split three, three ways between the Air Ambulance, Farmers Community Network, and the Lily Foundation. Right, okay, yeah. So it was them three events. But some of the raffle prizes were just for the Lily Foundation, like my hand pieces, basically. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which, bearing in mind, you can buy new hand pieces and new cutters for half the price that someone paid for mine. Yeah. Second hand, so that was... Yeah. That was huge just to have that. And then I think, since we started raising money, I think it was 66000 and the Team Grace. Wow, that's event. amazing. Yeah. They had, I can't remember how many stands there were, 25 different stands from the NFU to sheep products to handling systems. And the entry fee for that was all going to the charities, basically split three ways. So doing the record is a big thing on its own, but it's just it's a coming together almost of so many shearers, farmers to help me break the record and then subsequently raise money for charity and awareness and, you know, because the stories don't get out there quite the same without something really big. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so if something big happens, stories tend to circulate more, so... Yeah. 
To break the record is obviously a huge achievement in itself, but the support from the farming community must be quite overwhelming. Oh, it's just huge. It really, I don't know, it, it just gives me a really great sense of community. And from a very, and I don't think anyone has not this, from a very selfish point of view from Kira and I, we love hearing Grace's name. Yeah, of course. Even though I'm getting upset now, but um, we love hearing people talk about her and ask questions about her. And to yeah. us, that is, you know, it's keeping that name going, you know, because suddenly from from an outside point of view, a lot of people, although they feel extremely sorry for you, life carries on and we understand that. A year later, a lot of people, you know, it, it does carry on. You can't dwell on someone else's loss for too long. But so from a selfish point of view, it, it carries on Grace's name and it raises a lot of money. But it is just amazing how when, especially the farming community, how well it comes together. To, and it just always astounds me. Yeah. You know, it just really blows me away every time. I just, yeah, how generous some people can be. And these aren't multi-millionaires. These yeah, are just normal yeah. people. You know, they've got massive mortgages on farms. They've got bills to pay. You know, and they're still giving money. That's that's what that's what astounds me. You know, it's the normal people doing ex, you know extra normal things almost. Um, I've had it before. I've shown in open cheering competition finals, and all the other guys give their prize money, and then I go and put my prize money in as well to the pot. I show in one final where not a single person in the open final took any of their prize money home including myself yeah. we all put um, money into the Lily Foundation and it was something like 12, 1300 pounds again Rugby Farmers Market sponsored the record as in gave me money to help do the record because the record itself cost 10,000 plus to put on but they also um, someone donated a mule um, or hog it or fave or whatever to be sold for the charity for the lily foundation so rugby farmers matt did want to do a um did want to if we could include them into that because that hogget ended up being resold 14 times just for nearly five thousand pounds which is a huge amount of money 14 times someone would buy it and put it back in the ring sell it again someone else would buy it and it got like someone bought it for 800 pounds and then resold it because <laughs> it was just like yeah, the auctioneer has texted me saying we're still going. We're still going. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> You've raised such an incredible amount of money in Grace's name. You must feel proud of that, especially knowing how the money will help other families in this situation. When they've got a ma massive sale like that and a huge amount of sheep in and they're spending God knows how many hours reselling one sheep, you know, that... That that is a pretty big sort of effort, and that yeah. just shows that there again that it's another example you could do and lead into it from the farming community as well, because yeah. a lot of these people buying them don't know me personally. Yeah, yeah. They just yeah. you know, some of them did know me, but some of them didn't. Some of them just wanted to give because they've heard the story. Yeah, yeah. And with with rugby sponsoring the record, on a second note, it sort of puts you know it just all comes together. Yeah. I'd, I'd have loved to have paid for the record myself and given all sponsorship money to the charity as well, but I couldn't afford to do that, unfortunately. No, well, like, I just can't... That, that number of £66,000 keep going over my head. That, that's such an amazing amount of money because it's... You just, you just don't know what that can do for somebody, do you? 
That's what I, I well, always think. It's that, just that's what we, you know, if, if they we never had that opportunity. Like yeah. if someone now would have said you can have a, another month for Grace, but you know, obviously if you got an, an, another month to enjoy her company, mm. I wouldn't have worked. I'd have had paid someone else to go shearing. Well, if some of that money could have helped me, yeah, do that, which yeah. is what you know, that is. If I can give something to, you know, if we can do do things like that, whether it's the research or whether it's something like, like that, you know, mm. that time is invaluable. Thanks, Emily. And our thanks go to Stuart for sharing his story and for speaking about such a personal tragedy. As we've just heard there, the farming community is renowned for pulling together in difficult times. And as Stuart says, this has brought a great deal of comfort to him and his family. Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the new episodes of Over the Farm Gate. Until next week, from us at Farmers Guardian, thank you for listening and goodbye for now. Thank you.